This is episode two of the Implant Ninja story. So I decided to basically ignore all my school requirements. I'd no longer try to get any perfect class two test cases, no more worrying about perio requirements, none of that stuff. That was officially off of my radar. I just didn't have time for it. And I figured by cramming and putting an effort where it really mattered, passing and graduating was a given. After all, that's what my dad had said. Graduating is just expected, but succeeding and succeeding in my own way, that was the goal. That was the non-negotiable. My mission was simple. Nurture the skills that got me to being an implant industry badass. Learn business, learn implants, that's it. So even though they fulfilled no requirements, I took a ton of implant cases. I took, I took a lot of implant cases. And when it came to biochemistry and pharmacology though, I basically just turned on my laptop, stared at the screen, memorized the keywords and the high yield concepts. But for implants, I actually went out of my way. I found textbooks online and I got absorbed into them. I read about all the clinical techniques to the point where I can even imagine doing these things, doing the entire procedure, even though I had never drilled into bone in my life. I even studied emerging research topics in, in implants, such as tissue engineering, 3D fabrication technologies, and I also researched old patents and I would draw these things out on a little notebook and I would try to improve upon the patent designs. And I'd show them to my, I'd show them to my, um, my professors and prosthodontists and they'd say, well, you know, it's not quite right yet, but you know, keep at it. And so I was, I was really into this. I would often bring these implant textbooks with me to class. And while I was sitting in class, I would be reading and skimming through these textbooks. And when my classmates saw this, they'd often ask, why are you studying implants? Don't you know they aren't part of the requirements? I've also always depended, maybe a little bit too much, on serendipity. So sometimes, actually really often, I skipped class just to wander around school, taking the elevator to the floors that nobody visited. I would walk around the empty hallways, glancing into door windows, visiting empty classrooms. It reminded me of, we, of what me and my dad used to do. Whenever something was interesting to him, an office space for lease or a business for sale, he would just go and peer through the windows. He would try the door handle. He's always weirdly curious about stuff. And he just goes in and starts talking to people. And so that's what I learned to do. That was me on the fourth floor of the old UOP building. I looked around, I peered through windows. I tested door handles. I believed that there was value out there that was going unnoticed. And as a result, I met some wonderful people. First, I met a scientist, Dr. Miroslav Tolar. He had this overgrown white beard that reminded me of a wizard. And actually, he did have that knowing twinkle in his eye of Dumbledore. His office had a plaque that read, Tissue Engineering Lab. From regular visits there to see Dr. Tolar, I learned about how tissue engineering might be able to build scaffolding that can regenerate bone and even teeth, and my mind raced with all the applications for implantology. Then, in another forgotten corner of the building, I met a very unlikely mentor, Dr. Gary Richards. He was a paleontologist who happened to work in the dental school. My only interaction with him had been at an anatomy lecture, but from peering into his office, I could see there was just so much more to learn from this man. I remember he was moving around a model of a 3D skull on his computer. I just knocked on his door and asked him what he was up to. Like Dr. Tolar, Dr. Richards was clearly brilliant, but he also had this sort of anti-establishment vibe. I got that from the way that he spoke, from the, the big tattoo on his bicep and the motorcycle that he rode to, to work every day. Also from the fact that he didn't care that I was skipping class to hang out with him. 
when talking about his research, he spoke in this excited way that really doesn't slow down to let you catch up with all the technical information that he's feeding you. He showed me how to use some software to create 3D models from slices of cone beam CTs. It took a lot of visits and yeah, a lot of skipped classes, but I was eventually able to use what I learned to create a custom 3D printed implant and it actually won the third year research competition. Every now and then I also wandered one floor up to the executive offices where I would visit another valued mentor, Dr. Yarborough. Dr. Craig Yarborough would help me think through all these tough questions of how to reconcile my desire for becoming a business leader while being deep in the trenches of dental school exams, boards, and patients. I actually tried to start a business program while I was in dental school, and Dr. Yarborough gently guided me away from that, and actually under his mentorship, I entered this business plan competition on the campuses, uh, on the main campus's MBA program, and our work won first place. So it was super, super awesome. It was a really great learning experience. And like I told you last time, sometimes I get a little too far into things, so much so to the point where the Dean of Education, Dr. Nader Shahi, had to gently reel me back in to make sure that I didn't fail out of dental school. So that was, that was really fortunate. I had these guys to guide me along the way to help me learn, but not to fail out of school. Now back in clinic, I was amassing this massive pile of implant patients. I would have to study on my own to learn how to complete these cases. And on Monday nights, I would stay and watch a special show. On these nights, those who dared to take on implant cases had to stand up on stage and pitch their treatment plan to a panel of giants. To me, these men on the panel were like superstar athletes. Sadowski, Nadestad, Bedrosi, and Gonzalez. These were all the implant specialists. They wrote the books, the articles, they did the research, they knew everything. And students would, would often crumble under the pressure of presenting to them. Everybody crumbled. That is, except me. For me, this was like dinner in a movie. I would grab a sandwich, sit in the back row, and watch people sweat. By going to all of these, I knew all the questions they would ask, and I had no fear. My proudest moment was when Dr. Bedrosian, who was notoriously the most ruthless critic, not because he was mean, but because he was so skilled and so experienced and so blunt, that he, he couldn't take anybody's BS. It was just at the end of my presentation where Dr. Bedrosian was ready with his onslaught of questions. But I basically anticipated all of them and I made slides for each one as he asked them. And at the very end he said, this is what I would expect from a graduate prosthodontics level presentation. Well done, Ivan. In my eyes, that was huge praise and an affirmation that I was on the right track to becoming that implant industry badass. So I got pretty confident in like my basic level of implant knowledge. And so what I started doing was sending out these class-wide emails to people, asking them if they wanted help with their implant stuff. And people actually started calling me Implant Ivan. And while I nearly failed out of school because of the bare bones attention to my requirements, I did make it to graduation day, thank God. I knew that I had to do a prosthodontics residency, but because of the lack of attention that I gave my requirements, I knew that Basically, no prosthodontics residency would accept me. So I turned to my pros faculty for guidance. And basically, all of them looked at my transcript, looked at my work and said, you know what, there's no way that you're going to get into a residency now. Uh, you really need to build yourself up, get some experience, and then apply. So you might want to do a GPR or an AEGD. But that's one year. That would be one year wasted. And for me, that was not really an option. I didn't feel comfortable closing a door on an opportunity. I knew that the opportunity was there, but I just didn't know exactly how to grab it. 
I knew that people use systems to make life manageable, right? So these people that are receiving your applications, they have a system of filtering your application to make life manageable. But at the end, it's still humans who make the acceptance decision. My applications have been filtered to the reject pile, but I needed to make that human connection. So I bought a ticket to Michigan. University of Michigan was my top choice residency because they said that residents got to place as many implants as they want. So I got to Ann Arbor and I made the best damn showing of myself and my implant know-how. They gave me an interview on the spot and two weeks later, they accepted me. And now it was time to make my pilgrimage to Michigan for the next part of my training. But first, I had to convince Teresa to marry me. Teresa came from a conservative Vietnamese family. They grew up on go to church, stay safe, fly under the radar, and be stable. They were hardworking immigrants like my parents. They worked the same job for 20 years, day in, day out, same hard hours. And above all else, they valued stability. Teresa said to me, we were supposed to move back home, but now we're moving across the country. If we move there, how will we be stable? How will we have stability? I sounded out that word, enunciating every syllable as if learning it for the first time. Stability. Stability. That was the most important thing for them. They trusted that I was going to graduate, pay the bills, and take care of their daughter. But this talk of dropping out, talk of dreams, this was different. That was instability. Teresa asked, are you sure we should be getting married right now? So I knew I had to do it right away. I had to act fast. I knew that deep down I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I knew that we wouldn't be stable for a long while. But I also knew, to my core, that I would be successful. So I made her a promise that she needed to hear, the promise that I had to believe too, that I would bring us this stability, that I would get with the program and help us live a peaceful, settled life, go big or go home. And we exchanged vows and she said, I do. I promised Teresa that after I graduated as a prosthodontist, we would move back to our hometown in Stockton and we would be stable, home in the suburbs and Home Depot on the weekends. I reassured her over and over that I would make enough money to take care of my student loans. After all, my dad said that prosthodontists make $400,000 right out of school, so of course we would be stable. And I'd be well on my way to building this successful implant business. So with that promise, we had gotten married, parted with our families, hopped in our little white Subaru outback, and we made the cross-country drive to Ann Arbor, Michigan. But prosthodontics training really wasn't what I expected. Everyone had told me that Michigan would be amazing. Dr. Tolar, the bioengineering wizard, had called it the Mecca. And so I arrived ready to start placing implants to research and do some other crazy cool stuff. I was so enthusiastic about continuing my 3D printing dental implants research, but I didn't find my supervisors as enthused about it. Instead, I spent so many countless hours waking up at four in the morning just to read dental literature. And I made a lot of dentures. It was all literature and dentures, so much so that I was going crazy. The reading was nonstop, and it was ancient reading. Things were not going at my pace. I was impatient. I'm an impatient person, unfortunately. I was ready to go super sane, but I didn't find that opportunity right away. So, really frustrated, I wanted to quit and look elsewhere. Again, I turned to Teresa with the bad news. Teresa, I think I made a mistake. Maybe I should drop out and apply somewhere else. Maybe I should try to get into an oral surgery program. I really don't know how Teresa put up with all this crap. With all my incessant maneuvering, all she wanted was to settle down and start a family. That was her dream. She was expecting a husband who would just plug in his 9 to 5 and be done with it. Instead, I was here wasting money we didn't have. 
and making her question when we would be stable enough to have kids. Looking back, I wouldn't have blamed her for leaving me and finding someone who had their shit together. We had a lot of hard nights debating this, but in the end, thankfully, Teresa's level-headed reasoning won me over. She said, finish what you started and we'll figure it out. So like back in dental school, I forced that experience to become what I needed. I devoured implant knowledge from all areas that I could. I was a prosthodontics resident, but you could just as likely find me in the perio department shadowing a sinus lift or more likely in a hospital OR assisting for a jaw reconstruction. They showed me how their surgeries work and I showed them how to plan surgical guides on the computer. At the same time, you can find me in the medical school collaborating on a book publication in head and neck anatomy. After working on my book contributions, I stayed late into the night practicing surgical techniques on the cadavers by myself in the anatomy lab. I also spent a lot of late nights in the engineering lab, building on my prior experience in 3D fabrication. And I actually was able to fabricate this novel device to be used during surgery. And I got my technique published in the International Journal of Prosthodontics. I then bought a set of implants and I rented out space at a local dental practice. To attract patients, I made these flyers that said $9.99 for dental implants. And me and Teresa handed them out all over town. And we even put them on people's windshields. And I remember some lady walking out of the store angry because I put a, a flyer on her windshield and she yelled at me. She said, whatever they're paying you, it's not enough. Teresa and I would also hit up all the Mexican markets and drop off flyers there. And we built up this really small patient base, but I was also driving office to office, placing implants for general practices. One day over lunch at the hospital, one of the oral surgery residents, Jason Dashow, says, if you did an oral surgery program after PROS, you'd be a total implant ninja. I knew my grades would ultimately never let me qualify for an oral surgery program, but the name stuck. And that day, I started my Implant Ninja YouTube channel. Then I made an Implant Ninja blog to share what I was learning. I milked every ounce of experience I could possibly gain out of my time there, except for when it came to what mattered most, my marriage. I had taken Teresa to a foreign place, and rather than having her new husband to enjoy it with, she had a husband who left early and came home late. When my program had a vacation, I would spend my time holed away at the engineering lab or in the operating room. She had a lot of lonely meals, accompanied by only our little white dog, Sophie. How I wish I could go back, reach back through time, and be her friend when she needed me the most. I wish that I had understood that she needed me more than I needed to learn, but I didn't. And a few times during those years, the D word came up. But somehow, somehow we made it. Because, because despite all probability, Teresa stayed with me to support me, to support me, to be there, to help me through this journey, even though I wasn't there to support her. And now, after finally finishing the program, we were ready to come back home. I was finally ready to deliver on my promise. I was gonna earn 400K per year and start building my business, and we would have this stability. And what made the trip back home even more special is that after two years of trying to conceive, we were finally coming home with a little baby in Teresa's womb. Thank you so much for listening to episode two. Tune in to episode three to find out how it was pretty much the most unstable situation imaginable when I got back to my hometown.